with Romans chapter 1, verses 24 through 27. Really, we're dealing with the whole chapter 1 of Romans. But I want to center in those verses. I want to talk to you today about forcing God's hand. Forcing God's hand. You heard of that phraseology before, right? Whenever someone backs you into a corner and forces you to show them what you've been telling them, he or she is forcing your hand. All of our hands have been forced at one time or another, haven't they? Either by a disobedient child that you keep being long-suffering with or a nagging mate that you keep trying to ignore or somebody you know who has made you their lifelong endeavor to just work your nerves. And they won't leave you alone. You see them coming, you try to go the other way and they follow you. If you try not to have anything to do with them, they find you and have something to do with you. They are people who force your hand because eventually, when they drive you into that corner and catch you wrong, sometimes you have to show them what you've been telling them. They forced your hand. They wouldn't let you avoid giving them what they obviously wanted. Mm-hmm. Likewise, we can be guilty of forcing God's hand. We can, so to speak, push God into a corner where he has no choice. Even against his own mercy to deal justly with us. Even though He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Hmm. Undercover perversion. Excuse the pun. Has become the law of the land. Buckle your seatbelts. Because here comes some more trials and hardships. Because of what has happened in our world in the last week, some of us, if not all of us, at one point or another are going to be forced to take a stand. It's coming. Just as surely as we sit here, whether you're on the job or in the, in the, in the marketplace, something is going to happen. 
in your presence that's going to force you to take a stand on the things that are happening in our world. I believe that's what's happening in our world are the natural consequences of our distance from God. Let me say it another way. The events of our time gauge the distance we have moved away from God. And some things that start out so innocently can end so tragically. Who would have ever thought that the much anticipated personal computer and the internet would cause us as much trouble as they are convenient? There is no more privacy because of those two things. Satellites. Hovering miles above the earth can invade our bedroom because of high technology. Something that we say we must do in order to, uh, to be a, a 21st century citizenry. Everybody ought to have a computer and everybody ought to know how to get on the internet. And we didn't deal with or expect that there would be those who could hack right into the White House, who are so good with technology that they create it, but they don't forget what they created. And as they sell what they've created, they remember how to hack into it so that all of our lives have become now virtually an open book. You got to watch where you go and what you say and what you do and got to have your password intact and change it every now and then. Can't have a soft password. Got to have a hard password. Whoever thought that we had come to a place where these kind of things would be our conversation during the day. But that's where we are. The land of the free and the home of the brave. It's not as exciting as it used to be, huh? The freedom to do your own thing, while it sounds good, can be a problem. So, in the last week, in a historic 5-4 ruling, the Supreme Court of the United States found that bans on marriage equality to be unconstitutional and that the fundamental right to marriage is a fundamental right for all people. During an interview with NBC News, President Obama said, I, I quote, I think same-sex couples should be able to get married. 
President Obama said in the same interview that he had sat around the kitchen table with Sasha and Malia who have friends whose parents are same-sex couples. He said it wouldn't dawn on them that somehow their friend's parents would be treated differently. He said it doesn't make sense to them. And frankly, he says, that's the kind of thing that prompts a change of perspective. In other words, this is what it caused him to change his mind. Not wanting to somehow explain to your child why somebody should be treated differently. Oh, listen to the word. Why somebody should be treated differently when it comes to eyes of the law. Uh, end quote. I suppose that'll work for him unless Sasha and Malia bring a girlfriend home. Like to see what it's like then. But in essence, the highest court in the land, nine individuals, in essence, have become the ruler of what we observe in this country. And then only five of those nine have changed the connotation of marriage to say now a man can marry a man and a woman can marry a woman because they both deserve equal protection under the law. And then the president of these United States joins him in saying, I believe that people ought to have the right to marry same-sex individuals. Why, President Obama? Because I don't want the hard task of sitting down explaining to my girls why God wouldn't allow everybody to do their own thing. In essence, that's what he's saying. I don't want to have to face my daughters and tell them what the Bible says, but I thought that he was a believer. A Christian man who, when he stood up to accept the presidency the very first time, the first words that came out of his mouth were, this is a day that the Lord has made. He could understand the Lord putting him in the presidency. Oh, but some five or six years later, What's politically correct now is to be put on the defensive 
by people who want to break God's law. It's sad. But here's what I want you to understand about what's happening. Some people say that with all that's happening in the world, that this world is inviting God's judgment. I say to you this morning that what's happening in our nation is not inviting God's judgment. It is God's judgment. We are where we are because of God's judgment. It's our due penalty. And this nation will remain under judgment until and unless a wave of revival and repentance and humanity sweeps this land. Hmm. While it is disappointing, while it's disappointing to hear these decisions from the leaders of the free and supposedly Christian world, you know, we, we are taunted as a Christian nation. As decadent as we are, the outside world is still being told that we, the United States, is a Christian nation. I wish two men would try to get married in Iran. Sometimes the folk we consider heathen put us to shame. I wish two women in Iraq would talk about getting married. Just even tell them you're thinking about it. That the thought crossed your mind. And they'll show you some things. But here in the good old U.S. of A. Land of the free and the home of the brave. While it's disappointing to hear these decisions from our leaders. It should not surprise those who are students of the Bible. You see nothing has really changed in the world through the centuries except the names and faces of humanity. The problems are the same. And to be scripturally candid with you, the scriptures reveal that mankind has never Obeyed God for any real length of time without doubting or deviating from his will. Humanity doesn't have a good track record. When we look at the history of humanity, it reveals a stiff-necked people who are quick to receive God's blessings and twice as quick to forget them. Humanity's track record reveals a people who are only humbled when rescued from suffering for disobedience. That's the only time we get humble. When the Lord disciplines us for being disobedient. And then that lasts for a little while. 
The history of humanity reveals a people who like suicide bombers are so bent on evil that they'll kill others and themselves in the process. A people who ain't studying God. I'm here to remind you today that when we lose regard and respect for Jehovah God, we reveal what we are capable of. What's worse is that anything presently viewed as biblical no-nos under the 14th Amendment to the Constitution which deals with citizenship, the rights of citizenship, and the concept of equal protection under the law, everything we describe today as a biblical no-no is now up for grabs if we can wrap, if we can wrap it in love. You see, that's what same-sex adherents do. There was an article in the paper, I think it was Wednesday, that says, love, the caption says, love wins. And it showed people lining up to get licenses to marry as same-sex couples under the title, love wins. You see how slick the devil is? Because really this has nothing to do with love. But today, to say you don't agree with same-sex marriage in the minds of some is the same as saying God doesn't love them the way he loves you. And that's where they make us look like fanatics and bigots. You people who preach all the time about love, you don't think God loves us as much as he loves you? We're not challenging that. God loves everybody. The just and the unjust. The problem is with the lifestyle. God loves all of us, but he doesn't love some of the things we do. You are no different. As a proponent of same-sex marriage, the problem is not that God doesn't love you, but he doesn't love the lifestyle you've adopted. And that's true of all of us when we sin. God still loves you, but he doesn't love the decision you made. But they wrap it in love. And folks, that's dangerous. Because we have to ask ourselves, what will it be next? There was a time when we thought this wouldn't happen. We couldn't see it across time. But look at where we've come. Homosexuality is not new. You remember in Genesis chapter 19, after God destroyed 
Sodom and Gomorrah, or during the time that God was getting ready to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. If you read in Genesis 19, the Bible talks about <laughs> let me let me get there. This is too good. This is too good to rush. In Genesis chapter 19. You remember that Lot was told by the Lord that he needed to get out of, of Sodom and Gomorrah because the Lord had decided that he was going to destroy it. But before they left, you know, the Lord sent them two visits. Right? The Lord sent two visitors, and they were angels. Let me see what particular verse I want there. They were angels. We're going to look at verse uh, 1. <laughs> That's a good place to start. Now listen to what the book says. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening. And Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night. Wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, no, but we will spend the night in the open square. But Lot insisted strongly. So they turned in to him and entered his house. Then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread and they ate. Now before they lay down, the men of the city the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called to Lot and said to him, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. They talking about sexual relations there. The same way Adam knew his wife Eve. Mm -hmm. All the men in Sodom. I want you to listen to this. Surrounded Lot's house. And said send out those two men. Who came to you tonight. Bring them out so we may know them carnally. So Lot went out to them through the doorway. Shut the door behind them and said please my brethren. Do not do so wickedly. See now, I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please, let me bring them out to you. And you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men. Since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. And they said, stand back. Look, folks. Lord have mercy. As far back as Sodom and Gomorrah, men were wanting to be 
unnaturally involved with other men. Now let's tie Romans 1 into this, see, because I'm having trouble believing that Sodom and Gomorrah housed only men who were homosexual. You mean in a whole town? The scripture says all of the men, Brother Austin, all of the men from every quarter. That's a whole lot of homosexuals. It sounds like everybody in the city is given over to homosexuality. The only way that can be the case is if God had given them up. To a depraved mind. These are the people that Paul speaks of in Romans chapter 1. That when we don't obey God, he gives us over to our vilest affection. The things that we couldn't even imagine ourselves doing. Oh, I tell you, after preparing this letter, I I can better understand now why homosexual individuals say we don't understand. Because they legitimately feel what they feel. Now I understand. Because if God has given you up to a reprobate mind, and has given you over to vile affections, then that's what you feel. Paul says men exchange the natural huh, use of the woman to that which was unnatural in their lust for other men. Likewise, the women gave up what was the natural inclination and exchanged it for an unnatural inclination. So, folks, when you give over, when you're giving over to a reprobate mind, you really don't understand what you do. These people weren't born that way. They were given over to vile inclinations by God. Because they chose not, the Bible says, when they knew God, they chose not to honor him as God. Didn't want to know anything about God. And that's our world, isn't it? We won't know nothing about God. It's everybody do your own thing. Well, I'm going to tell you what. That's going to come back to bite us. Because you know that the change in this week's event is not that these things weren't going on beforehand. The change is now they have the strength of the law behind. Now it's lawful. Which means that if they come into your business as they did a baker, same-sex couple want the baker to bake a cake for his wedding, the baker says, I won't do it. They have sued the baker 
for 150 plus thousand dollars for refusing to bake a cake and put two men on top of it. So while we are honoring the rights of some under the law, we are stepping on the rights of some others under the same law. See how crazy that is? Well, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. We've come to same-sex marriage. Hmm. What about polygamy? All right now. See, because now the Brigham Youngs and the Joseph Smiths out there in Oklahoma can say, well, if you're going to protect them under the law, then protect us under the law. This is what we believe. We believe that we can have us three, four wives. Now, do I have equal protection under the 14th Amendment? And having passed this, it's going to be difficult for anything to stand up in court. The 14th Amendment has become the magical trigger. Anything that you want to justify, you want to justify slaughtering unborn babies, 14th Amendment. You have a right under the law to equal protection. So what about polygamy? Hmm. What about incest? That's happening right now. Mm -hmm. Turn with me to, uh, hmm. let's go to Deuteronomy 27. Deuteronomy 27. Deuteronomy 27, uh, let's look at verse 22. I want to deal with bestiality while I'm there. Bestiality. You're familiar with that, right? Mm-hmm. Look at verse number 21. Cursed is the one who lies with any kind of animal. Lord, have mercy. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who lies with his sister, the daughter of his father or the daughter of his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. I draw that to your attention to let you know that what we're dealing with didn't start yesterday. It was going on back then. But I want you to notice God's attitude about it. He didn't say, do your own thing, exercise your right to be who you are. He said, cursed is the man who lies with his sister or his mother-in-law or his brother or whoever is in his family. It's immediate that he has no business with them. It was not allowed by God, just like same-sex marriages. But the fact that same-sex marriage is now a reality. Mm -hmm. 
makes all of this other stuff probabilities. I behaved mean, hey, bestiality. You I, have you watched uh, what's the name of that show? Jerry Springer. I know some of you know it. You you, you didn't want to yell it out. You want nobody to know you watching Jerry Springer. But I have seen Jerry Springer show where people are on there with their horse, their cow, talking about they in love. Have any of you seen that? Oh, it's been on. Folk. Everything that's a biblical no-no is now up for grabs. Because people are now going to claim their rights under the 14th Amendment to not be treated differently. Don't, don't be confused you're going to have to take a stand. Perversion of God's laws now carries the force of the law of the land. But I'm going to tell you something that hasn't changed. The fact that God is on the throne hasn't changed. He is still Lord of all. Don't ever forget that Psalms Chapter 10, verse 16, the Lord is king forever and ever. And that won't change. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, for I, the Lord, do not change. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He opposed sin in the past and he opposes it today, and he'll oppose it forever. The Constitution can't change that. Five Supreme Court justices can't change God's law. So though the law of the land has changed, Christians must now rise up and take a stand. Oh, and you don't have to be marched down the street to take a stand. It's going to come up in your conversations. But you think about this. Or somebody going to tell you, I got a same-sex mate. What you going to do with that? Now, nobody's saying you have to start debating with them, but, but you need to let them know where you stand. As a child of God, you don't need to sit there. And you know the Bible says don't bid. People who are evil, don't bid them God's speed now. So if somebody tells you they got a husband at home and he's a male, you ought not be saying, well, bless your heart. You so courageous. You have no business saying that as a Christian. That's the time to say, I believe in God's definition of marriage. You have the right to do whatever you want to do. So hell at it. But I don't subscribe to the same-sex marriage deal. If you say nothing more than that, and you don't have to say it like that, you can whisper it, you can write it. But they ought to know when they leave you that you are not somebody who has, uh, who has confused God's love for God's edicts. 
We don't get to change them when we don't like them anymore. We don't get to change the scriptures because the times have changed. Look, if Frankie Beverly and Mays can make an album for the, for the life of the country, <laughs> and I declare they have, and because they haven't made a new record in what? That is! But those same records are selling out arenas all over the country. They haven't had to write now new song. Well, if you can understand that, then you can understand this. The Bible was written for all ages. There is no remix. It's all right here. Forever, oh Lord, your word is sealed in heaven. If you wanted to add something, if you didn't get it in before Revelation, it's too late. If you wanted it in before Genesis, too early. Now I'm going to end with this because I'm going to show you how the devil is and how these denominational churches fall into this now. Watch this now. Been telling you this all along about these denominations. Got this out of the paper Wednesday. Episcopal Church okays gay marriage. A church that says God is supreme and his word. The Episcopal Church is the church in America that used to be the Church of England in England. The Church of England was started by Henry VIII. The same Henry VIII who killed eight women because they didn't bear him a boy child. The same Henry VIII who was married to Catherine of Argonne but wanted Anne Boleyn. Had the hots for Anne Boleyn. So he went to the Catholic Church of which he was a member and asked them to annul his marriage to Catherine of Argonne because he had fallen in love with Anne Boleyn. And the Catholic Church said to him, no way, Jose. <laughs> so Henry VIII said to the Catholic Church, that's fine. I'll go over here and start my own church. And that way I can do what I want to do. And the church he started was the Church of England. It was called the Church of England. This church has its roots. The Episcopalian Church in America has its roots in that church started by Henry VIII. And that's just a little background. Now listen to what the article say. I, I'm, I'm good. The Episcopal Church General Convention. I'm sitting about the Bible. This week voted to approve gay marriage and the head of the diocese of Alabama says he's ready. <coughs> the general convention meeting in Salt Lake City 
Lord have mercy. Our convention is hell in heaven. <laughs> There's is hell in Salt Lake City. Decided that ministers have the right to refuse to perform same-sex marriages and that bishops have the final say on whether the ceremonies will be conducted. Weddings can begin after November 1. Listen. Bishop Key Sloan said Thursday that he is willing to allow same-sex weddings. By whose authority? The church, this is what he says, the church has acted to put into place what we have long believed and held as precious. The love of God is extended to all people, period. Did any of you doubt that before you read that? Is anybody doubting that the love of God is extended to all people? But because that love is extended, does that mean you and I have the right to do whatever we want to do? Because God loves us? That's what they say. There is no one exempt from God's love. They keep missing the point, don't they? There should be no outcasts in God's church. We're not saying to outcast anybody. If somebody comes here and they married to somebody the same sex as them, we can't put them out of him. Nobody says they can't worship with us. Just don't ask me to perform the ceremony. I ain't going to be able to do it. And this church does not stand for that and will not stand for that. But you become no different than the person who is up here singing or preaching or praying who's cheating on their wife. So we can't say to one side, you, can't, you can worship with us because you're just cheating on your wife. But this one over here that's married to another man, we can't let him do nothing. You got to be consistent, don't you? Let me finish this. Sloan already approved blessing same-sex unions for couples who were married in civil ceremonies. The convention also adopted new liturgies for same-sex couples. The church law or canons. What they need with church law or canons when they had this? Since they quoting what God said in here, you would think they are abiding by this. But at some point, they lay this down and they pick up the church law and the church canons. And he says, the church law and canons on marriage were made gender neutral now. Referring to the couple instead of man and woman. The Episcopal Church decided it's okay. And yet, they say we serve the living God. How can that be? 
And you know what? It's right in our faces. It's right in our faces. There are people attending these churches every day who read this in the paper just like I did and don't quit. Well, that, 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 the church leader said we can now marry a man if we're a man. Oh, okay. If you believe that, get ready for somebody to bring their mate who happens to be a horse to your house. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Sit down to dinner with them. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? But that's what's on the horizon. Why is it on the horizon? Because God is giving us over to that. And ain't nothing we can do about it except become obedient. Oh, I got to finish this up tonight because I got to talk about more about what we have to do now that this is the case. If you hear this morning and something has been said that applies to you, you need to get it straight. If you're not a member of the body of Christ, which is the only church that's going to heaven because it's Christ's body. And he is the savior of the body. And the body is the church. Call out Colossians 1.18 and 24. So you need to be in the body of Christ. If you're not, you need to get into it. First thing you do is hear and believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord of all, John 8.24. We must repent. Because except we repent, we'll perish. You must confess Christ as Lord with your mouth. And with your heart, you believe unto salvation. And you've got to be buried with the Lord in baptism. If that sounds strange to you, read Acts 2.38. When those who believed initially were added to the first church, that's what they were told to do. When they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins in the name of Jesus Christ. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to leave that with you this morning.